Welcome back to following Noah on a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 170, and we are discussing the entirety of part five of The Well of Ascension by Brandon Sanderson. I almost said, I don't know what I almost said. I almost said, I don't remember. Paul, how are you? Words of Radiance. Yeah, I, I could I have been Words of, words of I Radiance. Still, I still... Like every time I mention Words of Radiance or Rhythm of War, I say whatever the other book is and not the the correct title. Anyways, I'm doing great, doing fantastic. Um, I live in Texas. Weather's finally starting to cool off, which is a miracle, and I just love that. Um, and I'm excited to talk about today or something for you. Yes, actually. Well, so this week, (laughs) this is a bad time for me to say it. Last week was really cool. Like it was like high of like sure sixty eight degrees you know it was pretty cold for for this time of year in texas um but this week it got hot again and it's like high of like 85 and i miss the the temperatures anyways um i excited to talk about part five we're really in the we're really in the the thick of the book you know really really there near the end now and so i'm excited to excited to talk elliot I was going to say something similar to what you just said there, Paul. I think we've gotten to, obviously, the the, the meat of it. That This has got to be the, the part that everyone talks about or is referencing when they say, oh, yeah, Well of Ascension, I, I love that one. Because I was kind of waiting for it. Coming into into part five here was like, really? Everybody loves this book? Because I'm, I'm not feeling it. But cl- clearly this was the, the wait. This is what we were waiting for. Although there is a whole other part left, so maybe there's more shocking stuff to come. But this was pretty exciting. Another part, and we have still yet to see any ascending wells, so we can yes, yeah, maybe wait to see that next week. But this week, we have, oh my goodness, we have the Siege of Luthadel. What's been set up since the first sentence of this book, um, finally a battle broke out. Battle broke out, and several character deaths that we'll talk about. We have a diversion of a plot that we'll talk about. Um, more character deaths. Uh, we'll get Elliot to summarize the whole thing. Um, for those of you who haven't read um, The Well of Ascension, but let's roll intro and then we'll talk about chapters 49 through 55, entirety of part five of The Well of Ascension. All right, Elliot, how fast do you think you can do justice of a summary? We lost it. Oh, hello. That was pretty fast. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty quick. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't hear you. Elliot. Yeah. I, 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 I really lagged out there for a second. Uh, I'm back, though. Summary. Uh, yeah, a lot of big things happen. Tons of stuff to talk about, so I'm not going to try and get into details at all. This will be the, the high, high level of a Sander Lange. The let's see, part four set us up with at the end, Sazed and crew deciding to send Vin and Ellen away for their own safety, just to get them out of the city so that they'll survive. Because I think everybody everybody's gonna die. So Vin and Ellen uh, are 
headed out. Spook, Spook is going with them, and then Alrianne tags along right at the, the last second. Tindwill does not go with them. She was originally going to, I think, at one point, and ended up not. Uh, so they take off. Off they go, headed to uh, Terrace to go find the uh, the Well of Ascension. We then get a bunch of just discussions between characters as they're kind of bracing for the for the siege to happen. Um, let's see. The siege does surely happen, and the Coloss attack, and things get pretty uh, pretty gruesome. They they hold the gates. We get an epic scene with uh, with Sezed holding the gate against the the Coloss attack, and then uh, Vin arrives on the scene to save the day because on their journey they they discover that they've been lied to. Spook actually kind of spills the beans at one point or, or gives them the truth, and so Vin journeys back as as fast as she can and saves the day, uh, saves Sezed's life there. They battle the Coloss. Vin discovers that she can do the whole mind control thing on the Coloss, the same thing that she figured out she could do to a Chondra. So that's the turning point of, you know, Vin's powerful, but she can't fight an entire army of Coloss. However, she can mind control an entire army of Coloss. So she takes control of all the Coloss. They turn them around and face them out against uh, Straff, go charging out of the city and pretty much lay the smack down on. Uh, on Straff and his army, Set uh, joins their side. Uh, maybe some gray area there on what side Set is really on, or what role Alrian has had to play in all that. But Set joins in with the heroes, and it ends with Vin uh, basically forcing everybody to swear loyalty back to Elend at the end of the day. So that's where we uh, wrap up at the end of part five. And how much of that did you predict? Um, not much. Okay. There were quite a few surprises in there. Paul, how much of that did you remember? I remembered the fight. I definitely remembered a lot of the things with Sezid, um, pretty vividly. And I remembered the stuff with Ellen. I did not remember who does and does not make it out alive. Me neither. That was that was some of the things that I had forgotten, actually. I remembered that Tindwell dies. I did not remember that Doxen um, dies. Or is it Breeze? I always mix them up. Doxen dies. Doxen dies. I did not remember that Doxen dies. So when that scene happened, I was like, oh, forgot about that. Um, but something I did vividly remember is the scene where Vin horse shoes her way back to Luthadel. I think there's something like fairly iconic about um Vin jumping through the air with horseshoes and I don't even know what verb to put on that. Um vaulting? Swinging? I, I don't I don't know how to describe I, that. That's a good point. I like I like vaulting, but it's it's even more complicated than that though. I, right. I read that scene and my mind was just kinda kinda blown because she's she's doing the, the jumping on the horseshoes. Similar similar to how she does the whole Mistborn jumping thing anyway. It's you know, it's almost like a like an inverse Spider Man sort of thing. And 
But but the complicated part here is she has to throw the horseshoes down as she goes and pull them up from behind her as she goes. And so it's it's like vaulting, but then it's also like juggling at the same time. She's got to throw and pull and catch and throw and pull while doing the whole steel push jump thing and not falling off of her like exactly where she's need to be or she's going to come crashing to the ground. It, that would require an insane amount of focus to keep that going for miles and miles. Also Just insane. With, also with the speed that she's doing it, I feel like she needs some pretty flat ground. I feel like elevation would really mess you up pretty quickly or even just like divots in the floor would cause you to yeah. throw yourself a she talk- weird way. Yeah, she talks about how like you can only push on the one that's on the ground for so long because if it gets too much of an angle then the horseshoe will slip right. and you basically fall. And so like yeah, if you were you couldn't like do it uphill really, could you? Like if you're going uphill, I feel like that angle is way harder to to make work. You right. Know? And, and trees are going to mess you up if your horseshoe gets stuck in a tree. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of variables going on here. Should we talk about Vin first, then? All the way through? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Vin and Illand, uh, at the very beginning of Chapter 49, pack up and break through Straff's blockade. Um, they, on a full gallop, it's... Is it just the the four of them? All Rianne's spook... Vin and Elland? I think so. Okay. So they make it through, and they they make a point of being seen doing it. Like, they don't go out of the way to kill a bunch of people, but they have, they're also not, like, sneaking out. They burst through the line so that Straff will see Vin leave. Um, And at this point, Straff still thinks Zane is alive, and so Z- Straff attributes it to... Zane that oh he successfully got her to leave. I don't know how he did it, but that's that's cool. Uh now we can let the Koloss kill the city and then I'm gonna back up and then I'll save the city. So Vin and Ellen leave and they they actually have their first like real encounter with the mist ghost. I always want to call it a mist wraith, but it's specifically not a mist wraith. Mist Spectre, um, and Ellen might have died to it. Did what did you guys think of that quick scene that the the ghost like actually attacks Ellen the way it does in the log book, um, with our uh, ancient characters? I'm struggling to figure out that mist being thing. Like, what's its what's its motive? Right. Is it is it something that has like thought? Is it is, does it have a motive, or is it truly the deepness? And maybe it's not even it's not even thinking. It's just doing. It just is. It's there. It's a mist. Person must kill person. I, I don't know because it's. I'm not quite sure what to think about it. And I think everyone else thinks that Vin's crazy for seeing it. Like even Ellen, he, he doesn't see. He doesn't even see it. Right. It's just Vin. Right. Are you leaning one way or the other on it for a prediction? Is it is it a force of nature and is it it's reacting, or is it 
like a person and has motives. I'm going to say this carefully for spoiler reasons. Maybe we could touch it again at the end. I think, I think it is coming awake. Okay. That's my guess. Okay. I think it is in sort of a semi-sentient state right now where maybe it is acting more instinctively and not so much specifically based on a motive, but this this process that it maybe it's been freed from its limitations and it's going from mist to being like it's it's awakening it's coming into thought it's coming into actions on purpose that sort of thing so maybe it's kind of in the state of destroy is its mantra but as it becomes more and more real maybe it's going to get into the realm of wait why am i doing this who who do i answer to who am i that sort of thing. I, I think that's the direction we're going in. Okay. I could agree with that. It, it doesn't, it feels conscious to me. It doesn't feel just like a, wherever the wind blows, since it's interacting with like Ellen, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it did feel very dangerous in this scene for maybe the first time. It, it's always, it's one of those things where it's, it's always over Vin's shoulder. It's always there. Vin doesn't seem too worried about it. I've never been too worried about it. And then here in this moment where Vin opens the tent flap and there it is standing over Ellen about to kill him. Like I very much felt in that moment, it could kill him right there if it wanted to. I, I don't feel like we felt that kind of imminent danger from it before. So that was, that was different. Do you, do, do you think the tent had anything to do with it? Because they're out of like buildings where the mist doesn't usually go. Um, does that give it more power, or is it just taking its opportunity that Ben was distracted by something? I mean, I'm kind of thinking all of the above. Back, back to the whole, I think it's gaining power. I think it's gaining okay. abilities. It, it's building. So it's it's starting to enter places where it hasn't been able to enter before. I mean, think back to the whole Zane scene where that, that room inside fills up with mist. That was a moment where the mist had incredible power, way more than it normally does. And this was, an, I think, another moment where... It's it's building in power. It has access to Ellen like it hasn't normally had before. And Vin was distracted, and so it's taking advantage of that moment to maybe kill Ellen, or maybe just try and get Vin's attention. I'm also kind of maybe on that fence of maybe it's not quite so evil necessarily, and more of it wants Vin's attention, and that's how it's trying to get it. Sounds good. After that quick scene, Vin. Oh, it, it you you summarized this as well. Spook spills the beans that um Sazed intentionally sends away Vin and Ellen. And, yep. and Vin is very frustrated at this um and begins to make her way back, but is that bef is that before the Jassy scene or after? Has Vin left? Vin, Vin is there. For the the Jasty scene, okay, I'm pretty sure. So I'm, I'm pretty sure. Let's talk about that then. Um, Jasty's has lost control of his Coloss army and and flees. It and is he intentionally following Vin and Elland? I I think, um, with his bodyguards of like I don't know twelve or fifteen or however many he has left, um, and then Elland makes the decision to execute. 
Jastes on behalf of like Luthadel. He's he's saying I for mm-hmm. his quote is I forgive you, but my people cannot. And he beheads him right yeah. there on the spot. I didn't remember this at all. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> but I will say I did remember this. I did remember this scene, but what I what was different for me on a reread was I didn't really remember who Jasty was. Mm-hmm. Like whenever we started and read the first book again, then I was like Jasty's like, okay, I want to know. I want to hear more. And there's nothing like crazy, but you just see that him and Ellen were like good friends, you know, like they were, they were pretty good friends and stuff like, you know, and, <laughs> and it didn't play out too well for him, but yeah, and this was a pretty brutal one. And this was like, I feel like Ellen has kind of taken this like honorable figure, which is still pretty true. Like this was the time that, you know, whether it was honorable or not, was was still like ruthless, you know? Um and, and so yeah, it, it was honestly almost a little bit of a shock that Ellen would do that. This feels like a turning point in Ellen's character. This was this was a major scene, and it definitely surprised me quite a bit. In that, not not necessarily in a in a disapproving way. I'm I'm not sure that I like the action that Ellen does here, but it, the Ellen that we knew before this was not even like capable of of this action. Yeah, that this is this is new. Ellen has reached a a new level of confidence and authority. That I don't think we've seen from him. I mean, think back to book one. The the like awkward kid in the corner who wants to read a book instead of talking to people. And here he is saying, I take the justice of my own people into my own hands and I execute you. And then by his own hand, kills him on the spot. Like that's wow, what a what a journey for a character. That is so far from where we first met Ellen. In front of his own guards, too. He he doesn't even confront the guards until after he does it he doesn't know how they'll react and they do like grab their swords and begin to rush him and then he just turns around and says am i wrong and then they all look at each other and say (laughs) nope you are not Uh uh-huh and which is really funny i feel like that's a good like almost nod to the reader if we were kind of like on the same page you know but but i i think that's just really funny Exactly like you were saying. He's basically like, am I wrong? They're like... And I gotta say, it, it, a part of me did cheer in this moment, because I, I do not disagree with Ellen. That, that is the correct verdict for what Jasty has done. And it's especially necessary, or feels like it is, because Jasty doesn't even realize what he's done. He's like, oh yeah, I lost control of the army, so I just left him that's fine right it's not my fault they're just coloss and it's just like oh my gosh man it, the the massacre of a civilization of people is going to be on your hands because you didn't think your entire plan through and at the end of it you're just like oh well screw it the world's fine i don't care and like you directly contributed you you caused the brutal murder of women and children and that's not okay. 
I, I do want to say, though, I do want to say, because this has been such a political intrigue, political science heavy book, there are, there are big problems with a political figure taking the entire justice system into their own hands. Mm-hmm. Like, in this moment, I, I'm cheering for Ellen. I'm like, man, that's great. Justice needs to be taken down. But circumventing the entire justice system, courts, decisions, um, what is it? I'm blanking on the, the term when you're like on trial, jury, jury of your peers, all that kind of thing. And basically taking all of that into your hand, judge, jury, executioner, I am all those, you need to die, I'm killing you here on the spot. In this moment, is it fine? Yeah, it's probably fine. You cannot set that as your legal precedent for your nation. That that has huge problems. Specifically for Ellen as well. We spent the whole book establishing him as the ideal is first and do if i suffer if my position suffers because of the ideal that i've set forward so be it uh, and now he's very much taking the other stance of i'm going to do what's right even if the ideals i set forward don't allow me to um and he's been having people in his ear the whole book saying you need to take control of the city by force if necessary. And Ellen's the whole book says, no, I'm not willing to do that. And this is him doing that, I guess. Again, turning point for Ellen's character. I feel like. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if Vin had done it for him, I don't think we'd be talking about this for near as long, but the fact that Ellen does it, is is important yes i agree and i also want to come back to this in our stormlight spoiler section because the instant it happened it immediately brought me back to another scene in stormlight which i won't say anything else because it'll it'll get very spoilery real fast but let, let's talk about this again at the end of the uh end of the episode sounds good Horseshoes back, I go back to real quick. Yeah, go. There's a couple more things I want to talk about with uh, with Vin and Ellen before we go back to, to Luthadel. Okay. And the first one is I I was feeling extremely awkward once our, our crew set out because think about this. Ellen and Vin head out of the city. Who do they have with them? Spook, Ariane, party of four. And they're supposed to have Tyndall. Ariane, they're supposed to have Tyndall. Tyndall doesn't come, Tyndall stays. Ariane bails as soon as they get out of the city. Ariane's gone. Now you have newly married, 24 hours, (laughs) Vin and Ellen, on a long journey through the countryside with Spook. I cannot imagine a more awkward third wheel situation <laughs> than what we have right here. That this is as bad as it gets. Newlyweds. And the guy that used to have a crush on her. Just yeah. traveling together through the countryside. It's fine. Should I 
should I yeah. add to this as well? He's a tin sure. eye. So he can, yeah. he can see and hear whatever yeah. he wants. <laughs> yep. And they're living in tents. They're just staying in tents. Yep. Yeah. I'm I'm glad somebody yeah. acknowledges it because I also feel that way when I'm I read this scene. I'm like, why why did we have to write it this way? <laughs> so bad. So bad. Anyway, just wanted to acknowledge that. Extremely awkward. Last thing I want to talk about, Vin, real quick, real quick, before, before we go back to Luthadel, because that's where kind of the main the main action is. In in chapter fifty one, chapter fifty one. This is just before. This is just before Jastis shows up, but just after Vin saves Ellen from the mist being. Vin has a talk with Spook, and Spook talks to her about this confidence that he sees in her. He 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 tells her about how confident she is. I think referencing back kind of that whole, wow, you're not the person I, I originally met. This is this is crazy. And Vin kind of processes that internally for a couple of pages. And she realizes two things have, have happened to her. One, she's married Ellen, and that has like given her this view of worth of herself that she hasn't had before. And then also, she reflects on the fact that she has accepted that she is the hero of ages. Mm, yeah. Back, back to that whole titles of the books seem like they might be backwards. <laughs> she, 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 she mentally, like in her own mind, is thinking through, like, man, I've really embraced this. I might be the hero of ages. And she's thinking about the confidence that that has kind of built up in her. And I, I, I paused there because that was, that was so close. It might be. It, it might be. I think it's slightly short of exactly what I was asking for for Vin's storyline. I've been talking about this, about Vin, all throughout the, the Mistborn book so far. When we, when we met Vin for the first time, her self her sense of self-worth is like zero she has no confidence in herself no belief that she in and of herself has value this is that moment where i think that changes for her she she now sees herself as having worth and it's kind of tied to ellen it's tied to wow he he sees value in me maybe i am worth something and then there's the whole hero of ages thing it's like man what if i am the hero of ages what if what if i can do this and the scene itself didn't quite flesh it out to that level of detail, which is why I said I'm not 100% sure this is all the way to where I want it to be. I'm not sure that Vin has realized necessarily that she has that worth, but she's at least starting to think that way. Right. She's starting to think that way. We've come a long way, which is exactly what I was hoping to see with Vin. That's, yeah. that's a really, really good point. And I think that's like probably my favorite one of my favorite aspects of this book is book book one of this series was just like a good well-rounded like little little story almost on its own um within the bigger story here this book gets criticized for kind of having middle book syndrome which it has a little bit of but it is honestly a lot of almost stepping back 
and gearing up for the forward for the for the future of like setting all of our characters up, really getting us to have this like I feel like relationship with Van and Ellen and Sazed and Tendwell and the crew. You know, like like we learn about the crew in the first book, but it's really mostly like Van and Kelsier and and stuff. You know, and maybe not as much character development, but like story progression. You know. But um, aside from that, I actually have a question for you, Elliot. Kind of like a prediction, and um, of so so she has kind of come into this like believing she's the hero of ages. Says it has kind of mixed feelings on the whole scenario. There's like a bit of stuff. Um, I think he's kind of resigned to thinking no, but not really sure. Um, but I'm curious to know what you think. Do you think you know? Like, with the next book, are we going to have the Hero of Ages? Who is it going to be? What are they going to do? Like, like this is a really bold, out-of-the-blue prediction to kind of make. You know, that, that's a big one to just drop. Like, but, we haven't even finished this book. But I, but, I just want to know now. Before you before answer this, go, Elliot, yeah. I think it's really funny that you're asking him this now and not... 50 pages in the future when he might have quite a bit more information about what this question is. Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yes, yes 100%. I'm just I want I want to know the like no context predictions. The no context like simply just like guessing what what might happen going forward. I I got you. I'm prepared for this question. I think I think we're headed for a Sanderson twist. I, I think we're headed for a. You've you've got a classic trope like the chosen one, right? That that's a thing all, all across like fantasy. It's you, you've got the 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 prodigy or the gifted one or the chosen one that they are meant to fulfill the quest. My prediction. My prediction. Vin could w very well be the the hero of ages. Very well. I think the twist is going to be there isn't one single hero of ages and that you, you read all the historical texts and prophecies and things like that they're all talking about this one hero of ages and i think everyone's misreading it i think that's going to be a maybe a, a storyline in book three is the the heroes having to accept like oh maybe vin is not the hero of ages but that's okay because anybody who's willing to step up commit has the the has the gifts albeit like may, maybe not everybody not anybody can be the hero of ages but anybody who has the gifts and is willing to step up and sacrifice themselves or wield the power or take on the role take on the responsibility they can be the hero of ages and so i think, I think there's gonna be a twist i think that it's a trick question there is not one single hero of ages there are potentially many and then to kind of help you with that too is they specify this whole like it's not like the I don't remember exactly the quote of what Sazed says, but it's like um they kind of like generally view the old text as like saying he referring to the hero of ages, but they don't actually uh, yeah. know. It's some kind of like gender neutral like text. So it could be could be a man, could be a woman, could I would argue could even be a group of people, like you're saying, you know. It could be like a a they plural, you know, like so. Yeah, 
I, I like it. And I, I was way too curious. I wanted to ask because that's that's where my brain even is now. But especially the first time is like I uh, <laughs> I was trying not, not to focus on it too much because um, I knew that was for the next. I knew the next book was called The Hero of Ages, but I wanted to figure it out now. Also, so sorry. I need to let my dog out before she keeps barking. Okay, so sorry. All right, let's me mute myself on Steam so I don't get a blip. Okay. It, just to just to, to add maybe a little evidence to our our thought train here, the last sentence of part five is what you're talking about there, Paul. It says we had the wrong gender all along. Back to that whole the the pronouns and the the, the hero of the the stories they all translated as he, but it could also be translated as she. I think they're gonna like pendulum swing to the other side and go, oh, it's a she, not a he. It's all Vin. M maybe mm -hmm. missing the whole point of hang on a second. It can be either. And we'll. I, I think this conversation could quickly swing to Sazed. Uh, so maybe we'll transfer over to him here in a second. But, um. As Vin is coming back to save the city, which we're going to skip forward a little bit here, Sazed is in the middle of his epic defend the people uh, heroics in front of not Tin Gate, because that's where Tindwell is. Um, I don't remember which gate he's on. Anyway, um, he's single handedly holding the gate with his ferrochemy, and like 200 yards behind him, outside of the, the square, are all the ska and at one point in the battle he turns to them and says what are you doing go hide in a keep and what are the do you guys remember what the ska say i remember the line exactly the one of the ska says oh the the heir to the survivor will come and save us like they're completely confident that their 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 goddess figure in vin will come and save the day and says it is by no means as confident as they are. In fact, he's hoping that she won't. And then she does. So she, whether Vin realizes or not, she is fulfilling prophecies both of the church and old prophecies of the Hero of Ages just by acting on what she feels. So was the last like two pages of the part says it is reciting prophecies about the hero of ages as Vin is fulfilling them in front of him. So by the end of the part, says is convinced that Vin is the hero of ages. Um, but um, I don't, but there, there might be an asterisk there. Asterisk. I do want to, I want to point out the, it's either irony or, really masterful writing in this Sezed scene in that Sezed has talked about recently, like a couple chapters before this, about how faith in a religion is important. And people challenge him like, well, hold on a second. They can't all be right. So some people are wrong, right? And and Sezed has taken the argument of, well, no, the, the faith itself has some value. And when they press him, Says it's like, yeah, I believe in all the religions. I have faith in all of them. I'm a man of faith. This moment here where Says is defending the gate and the 
the the church of the survivor are standing there waiting for Vin to come save them. Like that, that is faith. Yeah. That is true faith right there. They are willing to stand there meters away from where the Coloss are just destroying people because they believe that Vin is going to show up to save them. And to contrast that with Sazed, who says he believes in all of it, but doesn't really live that faith yeah. in any of those religions that he talks about is a huge compare and contrast moment of says that is the religious one. And the, uh, this church of the survivor, Scott, they're the ones like putting everything. They're all in on this faith. They haven't been. It was a, a, a stark contrast. Yeah. I'm really glad you pointed that out because, you know, says it is the religion guy and, you know, claims he, believes in them all, or at least that's one of his last words to Tindwell is I, I believe they all have value at least. And then, uh, he, I think it's right after the battle and before they go and fight Straff that he has some serious questions that he asks himself after Tindwell, after he finds Tindwell's because he, he realized or he, he has a, and rightfully so, a, a mourning period there of why does any of this matter? What, why are we here if Tindwell's going to die? And uh, let me read it because it's a really powerful moment for me. Dazed felt like the focus of this part for me, mm. actually. There's, some, there's a big Ellen moment. There's some big Vin moments. And I think it was the Sazed moments that felt the most powerful for me. Let, let, let me read it. And this is the end of chapter 54. This is Sazed has just discovered Tindwell's uh, dead body. What was the point? None of Sazed's knowledge gave him comfort. He accepted the religions he knew, believed in their value, but that didn't give him what he needed. They didn't assure him that Tindwell's spirit still lived. Instead, they made him question. If so many people believe so many different things, how could any one of them or anything at all really be true? And then skipping just a little bit to the very last sentence, my life, he thought, has been a sham. And it felt like to me in that moment that here's Sazed, says he believes in all these religions, talks about how faith is important, sees the Church of the Survivor Ska live their faith, face down an army of Kolos, and then have his faith kind of broken by the death of Tindwell. I am I kind of wrote in my notes, did did Tindwell just lose his faith did all of it says it yeah thank you say that did says it just lose his his faith in all his religions all in this moment yeah one uh just as a side note um when asked brandon sanderson says that says is one of the characters he's most proud of for getting right the um from book one to book three so um just it wanted to point that out as you as you watch him um deal with Tindwell moving forward. He also made an interesting comment at, at Dragonsteel last year that we were at in one of the Q and A's about it was something along the lines of like of all the characters, Sazed thinks the most like me or something like that, or mm -hmm. I think the most like Sazed was something that he said, which honestly I'm I try not to read into that too much because I I it 
that makes me tempted to like replace some of Seize's thoughts and like say, oh, that must be what Brandon believes. Like, obviously, that's probably a wholly incorrect thing to do, but it does make me really wonder about some of the ways that Seize is processing that this and wondering wondering what Brandon maybe hold on from his own life or his own thoughts for some of this, perhaps. It it makes me really curious. Yeah. I will add also just for the the value of 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 sharing honestly. So Sazed is easily one of my favorite characters. But I this is this is a part I I struggle with a little bit. It just feels way too like diplomatic or or, or like almost a politician's answers of yes, I believe in all of them. You know, yes, I believe in all of them, but also I don't really stick to any myself, you know. Right. And, that's a bit, I mean, it is, I have to take uh, that with a grain of salt because, you know, in real life, there's not someone who has a metal mind that lets them know these like hundreds to thousands of religions and why they're important and the people groups that have, you know, like, like, you know, this is a fantasy world. I, I probably shouldn't get too um, realistic with it, but, but just naturally that like, yeah, I, all of the uh, absolutely believe in all of them, but also like sort of at the same time, none of them, you know, is, mm. is tough, but I do, I do love Seizid. So I'm really excited to see where Seizid's character goes like going forward. I, I don't know if it's going to be end of this book or is the next one. Like I said, I think he's Seizid feels like he's hit a spiritual low. I really want to know where does he go from here? what happens next on Seized's journey and i'm going to be very upset if Seized does not survive the rest of this book and i don't get that rest of that story i'll be mad about that because I, I he is probably the character right now i'm the most interested in yeah uh me, me as well i really do enjoy Seized. anything else for Vin or Seized before we move on to Somebody else? Maybe just stating it outright, we kind of talked around it a bunch. I'm not sure that we said it specifically. The scene where Sazed bulks out his muscles with the the ferrochemy, defends the gate. The moment where he's like literally shouldering the gate closed, shoving the dead Coloss out of the way, pushing the gate closed, holding it himself against the, the onslaught of Coloss. Epic. Epic, epic moment. Probably... It easily top five of Mistborn so far. Easily. Yeah. Maybe top two. What's top one? I can't I I, I hesitate to call this the most epic because the like Kelsier showdown with the Inquisitor and the Lord Ruler and all that was, was pretty epic too. Vin's own showdown with the Lord Ruler, also pretty epic. Yeah. There's some there's some good moments for sure. I, I do have to say I love it, and I love how it starts because Sazed is like he's basically talking about like he he's a scholar, he's not an an athlete, you know, he's not a warrior, um, but he he gets massive, and he's you know, it's it's funny to see him like use. I especially feel like this scene, if there were like an on screen adaptation, that this would be really amusing because you would be so used to visually seeing Seizid as like a like a, a physically weak character, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like the Hulk, you know? 
there's something so just the brain. so staple and classic about a fantasy story holding a gate against an oncoming force. Like there, there are some really good scenes in fantasy, and holding a gate against an oncoming force of evil is got to be got to be up there for some of the best. I was definitely definitely getting some Helm's Deep vibes in in some of these sections. I I was feeling the same thing. It felt I was picturing Helm's Deep maybe a little too much. I don't know. I don't know how much I should picture that, but I mean it feels pretty accurate like holding these gates retreat, you know. Felt very Helm's Deep. I I disagree. It's certainly more Minas Tirith than Helm's Deep. The the second army is on well, I guess that's Helm's Deep too. But the <laughs> the I guess it's the sorry. Go ahead and finish what you're saying. Vin is on her way to help, and you just need to hold out for. I mean, that's both Helm's Deep and Minas Tirith. So I was just the reason why I think it's Minas Tirith uh-huh. is because Minas Tirith is a like a circular uh, defense, and that's exactly what Luthadel is. Is you can see across to like another gate, and you can the the that nature of like the multi gates is definitely Minas Tirith. But the, the like, I don't know, it has, I don't actually know if it's day, it's nighttime during this, isn't it? In my head, it's nighttime. Maybe that's because I've pictured Helm's Deep. But I'm picturing a more dark, gloomy, I mean, Minas Tirith was fairly gloomy, but it's still like the white city, you know, it's, anyway, so that's, I guess that's enough Lord of the Rings for right now. But yeah, all in all, I definitely picture Helm's Deep. I'm fairly certain the Kolos attack at dawn. Um, and yeah. by the time Vin shows up, it's like evening because she's got the red sun like setting behind her as she shows up. All right, who else? Um, rest in peace, Dachshund and Clubs. Um, out of out of Tindwell, Dachshund and Clubs, who are we going to miss the most? Personally, for me, it is Clubs. I think okay. mostly because of his relation to Spook, he's Spook's uncle. Is that right? Um, yes. And so I don't know having I guess that family like connection on there makes me more sympathetic, as well as like you know he he's just kind of like the wiser, I guess like the the senior member, you know. So yeah, that's my personal answer. It's clubs. I, I gotta disagree. I always had a, a bit of a soft spot for Dachshund. I, but Clubs is, is is cool. Nothing against it, but but Dachshund was always kind of the, the odd man out because he's the only one who, doesn't have. He's not a misting, right? Right. So he's, mm-hmm. he, he's he's there. He's part of the crew purely off of his own, knowledge and and wits and and skill, not just the because he's a, a a superhero, sort of thing. So. Mm-hmm. He also often like kind of felt like the glue holding the the, the team together. So I'll definitely miss Dachshund. Tindwell, I think, is the most heart wrenching of the three by far. For sure. Da- that Dachshund... was definitely the most emotional scene was with Tindwell. Right. However, yeah. Tindwell is not my favorite character. So the the most I... like dramatic scene i think was actually clubs because up until this point nobody died and then clubs loses an arm and you're like oh we're actually in trouble okay (laughs) i i mean 
yes, we're fighting Coloss for the yeah. last like thirty pages, but nobody's died yet. And then one one clubs loses an arm. That's certainly the most dramatic. Club, clubs is also like picture framed by Breeze having a mental breakdown. Right, like that you're seeing him go down through the eyes of Breeze, who is like going insane mm-hmm. because he can't handle it. That that made it that made it emotional for sure. I I did want to say though, th- these deaths, while I didn't feel super emotionally connected to these characters, it seemed like it came with an extra level of of gloom, just mm-hmm. because of the setting of Scadrial and Luthadel and yeah. all of this. It's it's just a it's a darker world. It, there's just a another level of despair kind of surrounding all of this. It's like, you know, maybe on, on another world, in another story, a character dies and you're like, oh man, they, they died defending this, this beautiful place. They saved all these, these people. Like what a beautiful picture. Like there's a, there's a beautiful side of the sacrifice, not just a sad one here on Scadrial, where it's just all ash and darkness and, really just not a place you want to be in like the scar are they even in a better place after all of this yeah they're not dead they're not getting mutilated by coloss but are their lives great no and so it's like what did these guys die for right uh, not a lot like there's just a i don't know it hits different yeah i completely agree with you and that's what says is asking himself is why why are we here after he sees Tindwell's dead body and i've always thought that whenever there's an adaptation of mistborn it's going to be really hard to get the tone right because it could be it really easily could just be a depressive two-hour like slog (laughs) for like all three movies just just simply because of the color palette i mean roshar just looks prettier than scadriel does (laughs) Yeah, and and if you made it happy go lucky and cheery, that would be accurate to the book either. Right. So I I agree with you. I think that balance is going to be tricky. Exactly like you said, it's got to be true to the palette and tone of this world, but not so dark that you just walk out of the movie theater in, in depression. Right. I also think it's interesting that this is a lot of people's first interaction with Sanderson. Um, is this series, and it's really not like the rest of what he does with his library. Um, he, you know, we've said it before on these episodes that he's influenced a lot more by Grimdark than he would have wanted at the um at a later time. Um, so it's it's just interesting to me that a lot of people start with Mistborn and get a very different taste um of the Cosmere than most of most. What else, gentlemen? Should we talk about Straff for a little bit? Sure. He, uh, we, we finally figured out why there's poison in this tea like six times a week. <laughs> that is true. Seriously. I'm curious to know what y'all think on that. So, so just to make sure I have it straight, right? It's basically like a drug for him, right? Like, like, like he thought it was I've been poisoned, but it's like the opposite. Is that really like he he's been made reliant on it or something on that like 
Am I am I right, or is this completely off? You're right. That's he, like what it is, isn't it? He's going through withdrawals on a drug that Amaranta yeah. has addicted him to, and so yeah. he thinks he's been poisoned. And then Amaranta and Zane had conspired together, and and for Zane to take the fall for these poisons because Straff can't react against Zane because he needs Zane. So he, Amaranta says, "Hey, can you?" Tell him you poisoned him um, while I get him addicted to this drug over however long, six months or whatever. Kind of crazy. I, I, I had totally forgotten about this part. And also, like, that's kind of insane of Amaranta. Like, that's like <laughs> some next level conniving, you know. And, and yet it also felt almost appropriate for Straff. Of, like, you you create this nasty world where everyone's vying for your attention in all the most unhealthy ways, as we've talked about. And what do you get? Someone who wants your attention so bad that they get you addicted to a drug that they can then control your life with, and then eventually you die. True. The Yeah, that, Vin, get, it. Vin gets Vin gets the the satisfying final punch. I mean it's more than a punch, but we'll get there in a second. Um, I I did not remember this twist. I genuinely thought, like you did, Elliot, that Straff was getting poisoned because Zane was bored and Zane had nothing more to do and Zane was right. crazy. Um, but over the last yeah. couple episodes, it's been revealed to us with a dark cryptic fo- voice that Zane was not crazy and then Straff was not getting poisoned by Zane. Well. Vin's still a bit crazy, but <laughs> but he wasn't uh, poisoning his father, I guess. So that that helps. And he was also hearing a voice that was legitimately there, as opposed to something that was in his head. Yes, that is that is true. He, he was a bit more of a victim than I guess we initially originally would were led to believe. I I did try and think about this. Like, does this does this change how I view Zane at all? Does the fact that he wasn't poisoning his father change how I should be thinking about him? Feel like the answer is no, but <laughs> maybe slightly. How do you feel about Zane? Did you did you drop I think on that? My my computer's struggling. I was gonna say it sounded normal to me. It, it seems normal to me, but me. We've talked about Zane. We've analyzed him in the in the past. We talked about his relationship. I, I kind of came to the point where I was like, "Yeah, Zane is crazy, being influenced by some kind of voice in the head, and also just kind of downright pretty nasty." It has a terrible relationship with his father. Does the fact that he knew about the poisoning but wasn't actively doing anything, you know, necessarily does that change my view on him? I don't think so. Is he, is he slightly less terrible? Yes. Yes, he is. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so Straff gets split in half. His horse goes with him. Um, <laughs> there, I did not remember this, but that's certainly something I've noticed on this read. Uh, there's a lot of dead horses in the story. Vin kills a lot of horses. Sanderson did not care about our uh, our mounted friends. 
Apparently not. I, which is funny because in Stormlight, there's a whole like emotional scene over a dead horse in uh, a certain book. Yeah, Stormlight's a bit less savage, I think. <laughs> this one, it's like he died, horse and all. You know, <laughs> like like he like like Vin Vin Force pushed with a angle of equine screams is how the, the first uh, <laughs> yeah. first part of the book starts. <laughs> Equine screams. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I mean it's pretty. It's pretty brutal. So, I th- this scene where Vin takes down Straff felt very anime to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, with her picking up a Coloss sword. We we got our big old. We got our big. You know, impossibly yeah. huge sword. Comically large sword. Yeah, we've got her. Shooting through the air for hundreds or thousands of feet, flying out of the sky, probably going yeah as she's doing it, and like you know takes him out with a huge sword. It it felt like a scene. It, I could see and, and the, the the pains going by of the the anime scene, and the whole like basically being split right down the middle. I mean that's like pretty you know, and that's. That's pretty apt, I yeah. guess. And up until this point, she's killed everybody with her two daggers. But no, we had to we had to pull out a sword that's twice the size that she is to, uh, yep, um, to split Straff down the center. Uh, good death. I'm gonna, as far as villain deaths go, is that a good death or no? no. I mean, Straff. I feel like was our most diabolical. The evil person thus far, right now in our story. So, yeah. I mean, it was a bit gruesome. However, I mean, like I said, he he's probably the most evil person we've got right now. So, yep, I agree. Is that our fifth dead character uh, of the episode? Jasties. Yeah. Jasties. Oh, I forgot about Jasties. I was gonna say I thought it was just. You're right. What else do we have? Oh, the well. We didn't talk about the well. Um, one of the big reasons why Vin turns back and runs for Luthadel is she realizes that the well is actually getting quieter as they are traveling north. And she turns around to Ellen and says, the well is not in the north. The well is in Luthadel. Or near Luthadel. Uh, did you see this one coming, Elliot? I remember this one, unfortunately. It, that's a hard question to answer for some reason, because did I, did I specifically predict that? No. Would not have, you know, told you I thought that was, that was the case. But this is one of those where I feel like it's been kind of slowly fed to us to the point where like when you get the reveal, it's not shocking at all. It it seems like I, I've been questioning the whole is the well in Terrace for a while now. Was I ready to say, oh well, obviously it's in Luthadel? No, but then we also had the scene where Vin kind of randomly went into Kretik Shaw, and yep. that was the loudest she'd ever heard the pounding. Yep, yep, and I was very ready for that to be some kind of epic reveal moment, and then it wasn't. 
she just went into a critic shop oh my gosh there's so much power here and i'm leaving bye and so kind of all those together did did i put the pieces together no no am, am i am i surprised also no i guess so I I think this is a little bit funny. So so she does come back because she like doesn't hear the thumping, right? Mm-hmm. This whole thumping. And I mean, have we talked about that before? Like why why does she have this thumping thing? So like why why does she think why why is like I feel like that's like the general assumption is like oh this thumping. It's like I mean, if it was a consistent thing, like that kind of makes sense, but it's like Oh, I I hear hear or feel this thumping. It's the well of ascension. It's calling to me. You know. I like maybe you just need to get your heart rate checked. You know, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I write it off as her. The I mean, the biggest question I have is with it is why is she the only one hearing it? Why has Zane never mentioned it? Why is there no other copper? Copper bronze. Who's who's who can listen? Bronze. Why is there no other bronze burners in the city mentioning this? What well, what's special about Vin? And the only real solution I came to is same reason why she can control Tensoon. Same reason why she can control the Coloss is simply because she's figured out more about her powers than anyone else has. Everybody else has this base level knowledge of bronze and doesn't assume that anything more can be done with it. Zane might have about might have been about to get there because of his um shared discovery of Duralamin. So right before he died, he burns Duralamin for the first time. Um, and I think Duralamin is what really unlocks most of this for Vin and why she's the only one that can hear the well or the the thumping or whatever. Um, because Duralamin really just levels you up to level two on everything. So, Oh, and something else with this, which I didn't know, realize at all until my reread of there's like this mention. I don't remember when it was in a previous episode we had. This mention of like, oh, she's Vin is strong, like the Alamancers of old, right? You know, and oh. there was this like nod that that Alamancy used to be way more, maybe intense, way way stronger, and I feel like you could you could say it's that that somehow Vin has some connection that she's an Alamancer of old, I guess, or 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 figured something else out about Alamancy that's been like forgotten or something, right? And he. You also can't write everything off to Duralamin because in book one, she's piercing copper clouds before she knows about Duralamin. So there, there is something weird happening with Vin. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people are starting to notice. It, it seems like we've been pointed to the fact that, back to the, the, the thumping, the... The hero of ages from the the journal heard the thumping as well, and like that's that seems to be hinted at as a, a key thing is that no one else hears this, but the hero of ages does. Right, and so that's a great 
that's a great that's a great question is is vin just have a higher knowledge or mastery of alamancy and that's what's giving her these abilities is it because she's a hero of ages and that's why she has these abilities are the two of those the same i guess i'm i'm kind of forcing my my previous theory into this discussion but i'm going to do it anyway it maybe that's what being the hero of ages is again maybe it's not a you're the chosen one it's you've reached a certain level of mastery which allows you to be the hero of ages not right. necessarily the you're born with these skills it's no vin and the old hero of ages alendi i'm not convinced that's his name anymore whoever he was then did they just have this like higher skill level which allows them to be a candidate for the hero of ages like is that the situation don't know right but then you also have to bring up the question of were mistborn around before the lord ruler because there's there's sure. evidence to the contrary that the mistborn mistborn showed up when the mists did which is when the Lord Ruler showed right. up, so yeah, anyway. Right. So if in that scenario, I guess I'd I'd be claiming that the Alendi guy had so much knowledge that there weren't even Alamanches around, but he'd already gotten to some kind of a high level of knowledge or mastery or ability with those kinds of powers that he's keying into that stuff before Alamancy is even a thing. Which might be a stretch. Yeah. What else? That's about all I had. We got a lot of epic action moments in these segments, I a, but I think we covered all the. Yeah, I have a little kind of question of like, what do you think is going to be like next for Ellen's character? I'm saying this all before, like, this is a lot of like kind of book wrap up questions, but I kind of want to, you know, we're about to go into part six, which is a new thing of, you know, Unheard not having thing. just five parts. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, like, like at Vin, I feel like we have a pretty clear, like, you know, of like her kind of respecting herself, like, val like finding her own value and stuff like that, that kind of storyline with Ellen, I feel like in my mind, it's less clear. And so I'm curious to know what y'all think, like, what's kind of in store for his character. He's especially with. Well, with Dachshund being gone, he's kind of like our only, like, non... Uh, just about our only major non... Uh, elements or non-misting or misborn character. I wouldn't be too surprised if this book is Ellen's development book. We saw him go through kingship classes with Tindwill. We saw him go from a very earnest and righteous but not really knowledgeable or confident character all the way to so confident and so believing in himself that he's ready to execute someone for their crimes on the the spot i wonder if i i doubt we'll see no development in elland for the rest of the story that that would shock me just cuz sanderson is always developing his characters he's so good at that but are we going to see that level of development again from him my guess at this point would be no that this is ellen's book and the next book is going to be something else and that we're going to maybe see ellen emerge as a not just 
righteous leader, but now an effective one. Maybe he really can rally the people behind him and truly lead kind of going forward. I mean, we just ended this part with Vin having very forcefully and militarily secured allegiances for Ellen from everybody. She right. kind of forced everybody into swearing allegiance to Ellen, and Ellen apparently has a newfound confidence that that could be a, a winning combo for for him. So I'm I'm almost dodging your question. I'm almost wanting to say like, what's next for Ellen? I it's going too far to say it doesn't matter, but I think he's going to be maybe a little bit in the shadows. I'm going to laugh when I'm so completely wrong. And the third book is like all Ellen, but <laughs> my, my prediction no, at this point is, is that Ellen may become a little bit more of a supporting character going forward. Ellen's the hero That's of true. ages. Could <laughs> be. Yeah, there we go. What's going to say it, it is very fair, especially right now where we are to just, like it's almost an unfair question because there's not anything super like I guess ma major with him, you know. It's not like it's not it's not clear on what's in store for Alan's character. So he did just yeah. get his throne back, but it's I I don't remember if this does happen or not. I just hope we get out of Luthadel in the third book. I want I want <laughs> I want Ellen's kingdom to mean something. I want to go somewhere and do something with not Luthadel, but anyway. What? Okay. Um, You're being selfish. Elliot, prediction before we go to Stormlight stuff. What happens before the end of the book and what doesn't happen before the end of the book? We've got 50, 60 pages left. Um, I feel like the book could have ended right there and every other Sanderson book would have. What is part six? Uh, the book felt like it could have ended at the end of part four. It felt like it could have ended at the end of part five right there. Well, but e no clue. Had it had it ended on either one, it would not be named The Well of Ascension, surely. So Ex what's in part six? Exactly. It obviously has to be The Well of Ascension. Sure. It's got to be. You can't name the book Well of Ascension if we spend the entire time talking about the Hero of Ages and never go to The Well of Ascension. So surely surely the end of this book is been discovering the well of ascension in luthadel apparently probably in kretik shaw he apparently the lord ruler built kretik shaw like over and around the well of ascension itself which sounds very much like a move like like that he would do right yeah. Ooh, discovered this super important power build a fortress around this so nobody else gets the super important power so Vin discovers that she has got a little bit of a darker side to her. I don't have a, I don't have full faith that she's going to like take on the power, but then deny its use, like do what the hero of ages is supposed to do. Give it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see a story where Vin gets a little bit seduced by the power and Maybe wields it in a way that's not so great. Um, perhaps we're going that route. I don't know that we're going to go that far. I bet that's the next book. I think we're just going to find the Well of Ascension. Vin is imbued with supernatural ascension power. Closing scene. Yeah. Okay. Um, something that's on my mind that I don't remember what happens. We've seen an Inquisitor in Kredik Shaw. 
apparently. So if we're headed to Creedic Straw for part six, what happens with that, Elliot? I I bet there's more than one Inquisitor. I bet to get to the Well of Ascension, Vin's going to have to go through one or two or six Inquisitors. They've been very suspiciously absent from this entire book. We we ended book one. Somebody even mentioned in like the closing scenes of book one, oh, but there's a, a bunch of Inquisitors out there. We're going to have to deal with all of those. We have not had to deal with a single one of those well, so far. And at the end of... At the end of book one, I, I think it's Sazed says there's a bunch of Inquisitors out there. And Marsh says, no, nah, don't worry, I got him. What about Marsh, Elliot? Marsh was in the first, like, four chapters of this book and is gone. I, I'm not sure we're going to see Marsh again in this book. I'm wondering if that was another Sanderson dangle the carrot and then yank it away thing where it's. Ooh, here's Marsh. He's saying a lot of cryptic, really suspicious and weird things, and he's gone. And he'll show up in like part two of the next book, and that'll be a big deal and stuff. I think Vin's going to have to fight a couple Inquisitors. It's Vin, so she'll come up with a clever way to alamance her way through it. And then she gets the Well of Ascension, assumes the power, book ends. With that, let's pull a Stormlight spoiler. Um, so anyone who has not read the Stormlight Archive, you're about to get a big spoiler for the end of Words of Radiance, please. specifically. Please, please leave if you have not read the Stormlight Archive. Please. Yeah. So way back to the beginning of this episode, Elliot, go ahead. Okay. What I want to talk about. Well, I, well Ellen... like, hold on, pause. We, we we can tease this a little bit further. Um, something that we didn't get to last week, which ties into what we were just talking about. Going into Kredik Shaw, Vin walks in, it's like, wow, the power is really powerful here, and then leaves. And we, at the time, we acknowledged, that's a weird scene. And I read that scene to tease a Stormlight spoiler that we didn't get to last week. The flute. We need to talk about the flute. That's a good one. I forgot about the flute entirely. Here's what I want to talk about the flute. Somebody in our Discord, I don't remember who it was, acknowledged to me that on on this podcast, we've talked about the difference between world singers and world bringers, okay? it The Lord Ruler was... No, 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 no. Terrace, we need to define both. World singers are what Sigzil and Boyd are? Yes? Yes. So they go around telling stories to people, both true and false. Like, but both, I shouldn't say true and false, both myth, myth and like, historical right to uh, two other people to pass on like um culture and you know Boyd has his therapy sessions with the like telling these stories Sigsil tells some stories about the moons of Roshar blah 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 those are world singers 
world bringers in this book are defined as terrorist men who pass on knowledge to other people after the Lord Ruler is dead. Right? That's I think specifically specifically wasn't mentioned as like a precursor organization to the keepers. Right. It's like I I got the impression they're not still around. That it was there used to be world bringers. The modern day version of that is keepers. Right. And one of the key things we got about world singers, Sigzel and Hoyd, in the way of kings, um, Hoyd gives Kaladin a flute, specifically a flute, and calls it a trailman's flute. Quote unquote, a trailman's flute. Um, I wonder that this is this is a genuine question. I wonder if world singers and world bringers are the same, and it's just a a translation thing. Um, like, and they stemmed from the same people. So I'm wondering if the Lord Ruler at one point knew Hoyd, or knew the the people group that came, that Hoyd comes from. Tracking with me? Plausible. Yeah, I am. I I didn't put too much significance myself on the flute. I'm not quite sure why. I, I thought of I thought of Hoyd specifically. And how we haven't seen him in this mm, book. Yeah. I'm gonna laugh when we actually have and I missed it, but I have not seen Hoyd so far in this book. And I've been led to believe that Hoyd is in every book. So we'll uh I'm still on the hunt for that. I, I thought of him when we saw that flute briefly in Critic Shaw, but I don't know. Maybe a little bit of a stretch. Specifically, I think it's a stretch because of the publication date. And if we're meta talking this Sanderson's yeah. not putting as much inner con- Cosmere stuff in these early books as in the later books. So, yeah, um, it, it's just really strange to put in a flute when there's been no reference to a flute and then over referencing a flute in the way of Kings and onward. Well, I wonder if it's Sanderson just attaching thematic significance to that instrument specifically mm-hmm. of people that tell stories and further the, the the knowledge of history and myth are associated with flutes. Maybe that's just a, yeah. Or or just, there's kind of a symbolicness to the flute instrument that it goes with mythology in Brandon's world. It's the equivalent to the lute for the bard in, in sure on earth. Mm -hmm. Sure. All right, now we're talking about Dead Sadius. Dead Sadius. At that scene, that that shocking scene in Words of Radiance, End of Words of Radiance, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Where Adolin shockingly takes it upon himself to execute Sadius felt really reminiscent. I guess it's the other way around. This, This scene we just saw with Ellen executing Jastes immediately brought me back to that scene where Adolin kills Sadius. It felt really similar. You've got a villain who you're just itching to get rid of. There, there's every reason in the world why this person needs to no longer be living. And I, and I know we, 
analyzed the Adolin Sadius scene ad, ad nauseum back in, in that time. And I know I've taken a fairly strong stance, which I think is not a rather popular one in the well, in, in the Cosmere fandom. And, and I have the same so I have the same stance on the Sadius death. I feel it's unjust for Adolin to take the knife into his own hands at that time. But I don't feel that way about this one. And I don't know why. Why does this... I'm trying to figure it out for myself. Why does this execution feel more just than brawling Sadius in, a, in the back alleys of your of your ethereal and killing him. They they've done the same thing. And Jastis is arguably more innocent that Sadius is fully aware of everything he's doing. Jastis is just incompetent and a loser, a coward, but Sadius is intentional. And that, that was exactly fair. my question to you guys is I feel feel a lot the same way of what you just described trevor i feel like i'm quicker to accept what ellen just did and i'm I'm with you i'm not exactly sure why i think it may honestly for me come down to the fact that and this is like nitpicking the details ellen and jassy's are standing man to man face to face is Jassy's armed? I'm not sure. I don't recall. In my mind, he is. But I'd have to go back and look to see if that's true. This felt a little bit more like a, I'm face-to-face with my enemy, and I take him out. Whereas Adolin's, to me, very much feels like a deception-based takedown of, I'm going to trick you into the back alley and then knife you when you aren't ready. Maybe that's the difference? So I will say with this whole thing also, so with with Jastes, it feels like we can have some some sympathy for Jastes. Um, a little bit. Yeah, we, we can have a little bit. I, he He's obviously an idiot and was very, very extremely wrong. But Straff was way worse. I think everyone would agree. Sure. Straff is far, far worse of a of a character. Um, and so, like, yeah, I I feel like I don't know. Maybe maybe this is reading into it too much, but I'm like, since I'm allowed a little bit of sympathy for Jastes, I feel like that makes it like where I get to have zero sympathy for Straff, if that makes sense. <laughs> maybe I. You mean Sadius? So are you? Oh, oh, well. Oh yes, it's yes. Well, okay. I guess I was bringing so Straff into this more than more than needed. Because I, I Paul, mean, are, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask you for for clarification. There, you're you're saying you you have a small amount of of sympathy for Jastes. So does that mean that action by Ellen is less excusable in your mind? You you don't want. Ellen to execute Jastes because you've got some a, a tiny bit of sympathy there. Essentially, yes. Like, well, okay. To answer the question of do I think Ellen should have killed Jastes in the story, I think yes. But also, like with a lot of that stuff in fantasy, I'm fairly ruthless. Like, 
I'm not really going to defend Sadius either or any of these characters usually, like, but compared between the different characters, but compared between Sadius or Strafford, in any situation, I guess, sort of like that. Um, yeah, it's it's really like a like I, I'm on the side of of Ellen here. I'm on the side of um, Adolin and Stormlight. But yeah, but I guess between the two, I think. I have, yeah, I, I would definitely say I had more sympathy for Jastes than... Because with Jastes, it feels more like he has made a humongous mistake and couldn't see it. And Sadius is very... He knows exactly what he's doing, you know? So. You right. Know. So, so for me, it's not that I have sympathy for Sadius. I have zero sympathy for Sadius. It's the... It's the effect that it has on uh, Ellen or Adolin. I, I, f- I feel like Adolin killing Sadius is a character flaw of Adolin's. And I feel... And I don't know how I feel about Ellen. I'll, I'll say that. And s- there, there is something that I'll point out that I'm not sure if this is the reason why I feel differently about these two the guards are there for Jasty's execution. I don't know if that makes a big difference to me, um, but just thinking about it, that is a difference that I've thought of. And the guards back up Ellen's decision. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of just articulating thoughts without a conclusion because I still don't know. There, There's something about how Adolin goes about it with Sadius that just feels underhanded to me. Right. And I can't get past that. It just feels... Whereas it seems like Ellen has the moral high ground, I feel like Adolin surrenders some of his moral high ground in the way that he goes about it, and that that's a difference for me. At the end of the day, is it a hero taking out a villain? Yes. Yes, it is. Also, revisit my soapbox earlier. In both stories, it is highly problematic politically and socially, right. in my opinion. Whether it's right or wrong morally, it is very wrong legally to do right. what they do. Well, and 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 halfway through Oathbringer, Adolin confesses to Dalinar. And Dalinar gives him a verbal, you know, smack across the back of the head. Like he, Dalinar's not okay with the actions that Adolin took. I don't think anyone in this story is going to take Dalinar's stance um, for Jasty's death. Hey, I will say there is one, if we're talking about politics and, and legalities there is one legal scenario in which i think ellen is perfectly qualified to do this and that's the one where he's king if right. ellen sure. is an all-powerful king where he is the law can he decide that someone is guilty and then execute them himself on the spot yeah he probably can now is ellen king with that authority in this moment mm, <laughs> probably not not yet 
I mean, he is by the end of the right. part, but right, right. So, but but maybe there's a, a slight little ledge to stand on there of of perhaps Ellen is worthy of wielding that kind of authority. Is Adolin? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, Adolin's a high prince. He's and by the end, and of- in a world. In a world where you let your high princes go murdering anyone they want and there are no ramifications for high that, princes. that's yeah. a big problem. Big problem. In, in general, I know Luthadel, like, like, this world schedule has its own, like, legal system, but even though there is one, it is way worse, way less fleshed out, I think, and way probably more brutal than, than there is on Roshar. Like, Roshar, I feel like, is fairly civil. Like, you know, you kill someone, even if it was the right thing, like, it's okay. I don't know. I think there's way more you could get away with on Skadril. Yeah, and to, to that point, how many times before the end of Words of Radiance has the phrase, Alethi Codes of Honor, been on page? And, like, and yeah. how, many, how many times has the, the Skadril Code of Honor been on page before... Um, before Ellen decapitates his friend. So it really, it, it, I, I think that might be a big key point of this is the entire first two books, Dalinar is pushing the Alethi to be more honorable, follow the codes, blah, blah, blah. He conveniently has forgotten who he used to be, um, but he's he's pushing for Alethi codes of honor, Alethi codes of honor. And at this, at, at the end of Words of Radiance, it feels like Adolin is will willfully falling short of what his father is pushing his whole family to be. Um, and Ellen is just, you know, being judge, jury, executioner, as we've been saying. So. To, to, to drag your comparison out a little bit further, there, there is a bit of similarity there in that Ellen wrote all these laws to try and protect the people and then very at his own downfall adhered to those laws like they're they, they don't talk about code of honor at all and all that but in a small way it kind of is with ellen he's trying to introduce a more honorable system of government where there's a, a set of laws to protect everyone and no one is an excuse to those laws and then for ellen to then do this act is slightly strange in all of that again unless he is the king with all the authority in which he can do that it's it's complicated which he's deliberately trying not to be for the whole book I, yeah anyway fantastically complicated scenarios and scenes where you can spend 30 minutes dissecting the legality and morality of deciding to kill the villain I would I would love to, to make like a meme video parody video of people being okay with Ellen's decision and then Adolin being like all hot headed and bothered about how people aren't okay with Adolin's decision like why can he do this and I can't yeah they did the same thing yep yeah I don't know anything else gentlemen all I got fascinated to find out what's in the next 50 pages of this book the last 50 pages of the let's finish the book next week and then the week after we will talk about the whole thing um and then 
I believe we're going to jump straight into the Hero of Ages. I believe so. Um, let's keep reading and finish the book next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Always another secret. Very well. He said the line. It hasn't been in this book at all yet. <laughs>